Welcome to the Unilever and New Hope Network Innovation for Good podcast, a series exploring the people and ideas sparking positive change in the world. In this episode, we're talking to Zach Seeley, Sir Kensington's Director of Marketing and Communications, about the company's flavor-packed approach to brand storytelling. Want to have a lively conversation today? Just ask someone about their go-to sandwich, or perhaps their favorite French fry. Sir Kensington's knows that food lovers get fired up over seemingly ordinary small talk, and that it's often the ordinary and overlooked that have the best stories to tell. The company, known for its condiments like mayo and ketchup, has executed an editorial vision that few in the CPG industry have been able to achieve. From its sandwich magazine to a documentary on French fries and its completely fresh take on a corporate integrity report, Sir Kensington's has redefined the recipe for brand marketing, part education, part entertainment, part vulnerability. Here, we talk with Sir Kensington's Director of Marketing and Communications, Zach Seeley, about what it takes to go from mayo makers to storytellers. The secret, he says, finding the perfect balance of integrity and charm. Well, welcome, Zach. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're really excited to be talking with you. We're such fans of Sir Kensington's and the fun, fresh, creative marketing that you bring to the natural products industry. So we'd love to just hear, first of all, a little bit about your role with the company. What's your day-to-day look like at this amazing brand? Yeah, thank you, Jessica. Um, yeah, you know, I've been with Sir Kensington's for over four years now. I've worn a lot of kind of different hats. Right now, I I oversee creative, creative direction, campaign direction, editorial direction, storytelling, brand. I'm working with, you know, the campaign teams and the creative teams. Day-to-day is kind of all over the place, uh, but always kind of super exciting. Um, so, that's kind of my my deal right now. Well, I love that. And given that so many of the cool new initiatives are coming out of that kind of storytelling marketing space. So we definitely are eager to hear what you guys have coming up by way of new initiatives and particularly in that marketing realm. What, what's new? What's coming up? Yeah, well, there's nothing I can like say like publicly, but I can give like Some hands, it's going to be doubling down on the same strategy we've had around putting out strong, entertaining pieces of content that tell grand stories about food um, that are selling our values. And we're going to be continuing to invest in probably two things that we're going to be talking about today around some IP we developed around a movie and some magazines and journalism and and making sure that those continue to see the light of day and are resonating with different types of people and our and our eaters specifically. Well, I love that balance of entertainment and education and I think that that's where the most successful marketing sits. Let's, before we jump into some of those cool new efforts you have going on, talk a little bit more about that balance and and how do you find it? What does it mean to you? Well, um, it it comes from our own DNA as a business and a brand. Um, You know, it's written into our mission, 
you know, as like a brand, so Kensington's brings integrity and charm to ordinary and overlooked food. And I think another way of saying balancing education and entertainment, as you say, is also just balancing uh, integrity and charm. It's sort of like the peanut butter and chocolate of like really good storytelling and marketing um, at large. And so it comes from the DNA of our business. And I think you can see it straight from our products, right? Look, we make mayo, we make condiments and ketchup. They're pleasurable, they're entertaining. They sit around your table around these like great moments during the summer of grilling sandwiches. There's nostalgia built into that, right? That's all that sort of like charm, but what's inside is we're bringing a level of integrity to those ingredients, right? Our mayo has the highest grade of egg you can get, certified humane, free range eggs, right? We're non-GMO company, we're leading with the best ingredients. So that's that sort of like balance, that yin and yang of education and entertainment that we do in our marketing and in our products. It involves uh, the integrity and charm of our business. And that's the sort of jargon that we, you know, that that we as a, a team continue to talk about. So that's how it inspires our marketing activities is because we believe this as individuals, um, and that that's why you're going to see see it see it related and articulated in our campaign and communication work. I really like that message of integrity and charm. We can all aspire to have a perfect balance of integrity and charm. I don't think I've ever heard it articulated in that way, and it does make so much sense given what you all do as a company. So let's talk about some of the ways that that manifests. Maybe we can start with, kind of want to start with the Sandwich Magazine because I was just reading some issues before we hopped on today and it's so fun. I was reading the Von Me issue and the BLT issue. Share a little bit more with our audience about what Sandwich Magazine is. Yeah, well, uh, I think in order to talk about like, why is a brand putting out a magazine and why is a brand investing in a print object, um, you know, that you buy at a newsstand? And I think it it comes from just this, what I would sort of say, advertising fatigue. Like my previous life is I worked in, you know, advertising agencies working on, you know, spending hours in spending lots of clients' money on coming up with really fun, creative ideas that fit in a 30-second or a 90-second slot that then got edited down into a five-second thing that you could skip on YouTube or Hulu, right? And it just sometimes got disheartening because you're spending all this money making a piece of content that was basically a blocker to the thing that you really wanted to watch, right? So you want to watch a clip of Saturday Night Live, you have to invest five seconds of your time to watch something you're eventually going to skip. And I was just kind of tired of that. And I think some of us are also tired of that. Yes, we still make campaigns and we still make those videos. We need to do that for other sorts of reasons. But was there a way that we could take some of our marketing dollars and invest them into things that are long form, right? Things that go deeper into sort of storytelling. Maybe they're not like talking about, frankly, like our products but they're speaking to our values, right? And at the end of the day, um, <clears throat> you know, I, I am a consumer of our products. I was a fan of our products before I got hired. I am like the target eater and we know a lot about our eater and our eater is reading Bon Appetit, right? Our eater is watching David Chang on Netflix. Our eater is, you know, 
going through the back catalog of Anthony Bourdain's work and watching them one by one or using them to help them travel. These people are watching stuff. They love food, right? And what would it be like for Sir Kensington's to put out something that was for that person, right? To put her hat in the ring. Instead of being the ad in Bon Appetit, what would it look like for us to put out something um, that had journalistic integrity, that balanced that sort of, you know, peanut butter and chocolate that I keep talking about of education and entertainment of integrity and charm in the form of like a good piece of journalism around um, like, let's say a magazine about sandwiches, right? So get into your sort of question of like, what's the deal with this? And I'm glad you're enjoying the BLT and the Bon Me uh, issues. Um, the first sort of thing was, all right, if we want to do this, we, we're not experts at making magazines. It's not our expertise. We know how to make mayonnaise and we know how to make ketchup. We make good mayonnaise and ketchup and mustard and award-winning sort of products. But we don't know the first thing about putting out uh, a magazine. You know, we're consumers of the content. We have really good filters around what we think is good. So it requires a good partner. So we reached out to a place called TCO. They're a publisher. They make really cool magazines out of London. Uh, they're called TCO, by the way, it stands for the Church of London, which is, um, uh, they've shortened to TCO. Um, and they, um, they put out a film magazine called Little White Lies, which is super incredible and super entertaining. And they also put out like kind of like a um, culture forward magazine called Huck. And um, it, we, we were super inspired by them and they came, we just started chatting with them and they're like, let's put a magazine together, right? So we put together an editorial team, which I sat on and an art direction team, which I also sat on. And we just kind of discussed like, what is the sort of magazine that Sir Kensington's would make? And we landed on this idea of sandwich, right? Which is something that goes with our product, mayo, right? It is uh, incredible invention. You know, who, whoever came up with the Earl of Sandwich is like deemed to have come up with the invention of the sandwich. But, you know, whoever officially came up with this idea of taking two pieces of carbs and putting like whatever you want in it and calling it a meal is a genius, in my opinion. And, um, you know, our products go go well with that. Um, but the genesis of the magazine was <clears throat> if we were able to take sort of like, let's say the BLT and if we could organize our editorial structure around having like a maybe like a personal essay um, um, about the BLT. So the first one, you know, we got award-winning journalist at the LA Times, uh, Jen Harris, to, to, to tell us what her emotional stakes in this BLT sandwich were. We got a really, really good essay out of it. But then the rest of the issue would take a liberal inspiration from that sandwich. You know, you would take the ingredients and like, is there a story that we can talk about with lettuce? And we discovered we could talk about lettuce in space because NASA is trying to grow lettuce in space because it's a potentially sustainable way to try to grow agriculture in, in different gravitational environments. Uh, but we could also talk about, um, um, you know, tomatoes or bacon. And so we did a feature on female butchers um, we did a feature on the tomato smashing festival that happens in Spain, but we wanted to actually like take a, take a closer look at the people who are actually cleaning up after 
the tomato smashing festival. And this goes into, again, our sort of mission as a company, which is not only we are bringing integrity and charm, but we're also looking at the ordinary and the overlooked, right? The ordinary and overlooked in our portfolio with things like mayonnaise and ketchup that hadn't really been innovated. When you think about the ordinary and the overlooked, it's a scant way to sort of look at the world. So when you talk about something like a tomato smashing festival, the way to sort of look at it from that lens is to look at the people that are cleaning it up and do a photo essay around that. Um, and the magazine, um, you know, sold in stores across the world, 150 stores. You know, we had like, uh, you know, good sort of first run of four issues. And again, it doesn't necessarily talk about our brand. We have one ad in it. We sell it from our website. We talk about it on all our channels. We publish some of the online stories, um, but it's meant to sell the values of the business and not our product. And we think that there's a real reason to do that in the world of short form content, Twitter, TikTok. What does it look like for a brand to make a stake in long form content? Because people are still reading it. And the response has been great. Anyways, that was like a lot, but. No, I mean, it's such a brilliant approach to content marketing and to, to really understand what went on behind the scenes to produce this incredible product as in the magazine that, um, again, I thoroughly enjoyed. And I think it really resonates on both an intellectual and an emotional level, which I really appreciate. And yes, the behind the scenes look at the tomato smashing festival was uh, a pure delight. So, but uh, again, understand kind of the why behind it and how you tell these different stories that are related loosely to the product, but um, really a unique approach. So I gen genuinely appreciate that. Another great thing that you're doing is around this French fries documentary. We can talk about the French fries documentary, right? We're good yeah, to absolutely. talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, so this is like in the same sort of vein as the magazine, right? Um, in the world of sort of like short video, which again, we do, we put it out, we see great success, but we're also consumers of, you know, these like documentaries that you see on Netflix, right? We're also like obsessed with sort of, you know, following our favorite sort of chefs and TV shows and their sort of longer form pieces of content. And we thought we could put our hat in the ring, you know, our top hat, Sir Kensington's top hat in the ring. Um, and what would be the sort of like documentary that we would tell? And um, kind of like the sandwich, you know, at the end of the day, like, I'll just say this, like, there are people who are obsessed with condiments and I've met them and we talk with them. I love them. But people's passion points are often around these sort of host foods. When you talk about passion and food, get into a conversation with somebody around their favorite sandwich. When you talk about passion and food, talk to somebody about their first memory of eating a French fry or try to get them to rank their favorite French fries. These are passionate topics that our foods happen to be related to. So anyways, back to the sort of film. Um, this is a very similar story to the magazine. Um, we knew that we wanted to do something that was gonna take the sort of like some of the advertising budget we had and look to try to make a piece of content that people wanted to watch, that people came to watch, that people had an interest in watching. And we knew already, like I said, that our eaters are watching this sort of stuff. 
So what would it be the, you know, what, what would that content be? So the first thing was looking for the right partner. Again, just like the magazine, we're not filmmakers, right? We're, we're consumers and avid, you know, lovers of film um, and content and television and all that sort of stuff, but we're not experts in making it. So it really came down to finding the right partner. That partner came down to 0.0 Productions or ZPZ. Um, ZPZ are absolute rock stars. They are experts in the game. They are sages. They help build this entire kind of world that we see today around food and storytelling is like partly because of them. Uh, they were the first ones to put Anthony Bourdain on television and worked with him for his entire career. Um, so we were in good hands when we knew when we when we started engaging with them and they got really, really excited about you know, maybe telling a story of ours or something that we wanted to do. And it was over dinner in New York at a, you know, at a nice restaurant, but, you know, one that had French fries. And it was this idea like, well, no one has told the story of the French fry, right? And fries and ketchup, they're best friends. And Sir Kensington had already in the past, in 2014, did an entire museum exhibit in the Lower East Side in New York around the french fry. We gathered french fries from all these different restaurants. We encased them in resin. We put them in like Edison bulbs to display to the world. And it was a huge success, got lots of PR. So we had some equity in the french fry. And there was this particular director named Mike Steed who was obsessed with french fries. And he's like, I have to tell this story. This story hasn't been told, right? It's a ubiquitous object. It is emotional, it is philosophical, and it is pleasurable. And that story hadn't been told yet, and we were intrigued. And at the time, actually, we were investigating what would it look like for Sir Kensington's to branch out and launch a French fry. So the director was like, I'm going to follow you guys as part of the story, you know, kind of like a startup sort of angle of like, what is it like to try to reinvent the French fry? Can it be reinvented? And you're going to have to watch it, you know, to, to find out what happens. Um, but it just came from conversations uh, from this 0, 0.0 team that there was a story that hadn't been told yet. Again, it's an ordinary and overlooked object. You know, there's been a lot of stories on different types of food and cuisines, but not one that has definitively told the story of the French fry. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, along this sort of way, you know, we were able to like get people, it's amazing when you start talking to people about French fries, they want to be involved in the project. So like Malcolm Gladwell, um, he's kind of our guide throughout the entire film. Um, he wrote an entire essay and has done podcasts on the McDonald's French fry. Um, so, you know, his essay appeared in the New Yorker, so this stuff can be really high-minded sometimes. Chrissy Teigen wanted to be involved. She's obsessed with the French fry. Eric Repair, high-end chef, you know, uh, friend of ZPZ, uh, wanted to be involved, et cetera. Um, and, um, you know, at the, end, <laughs> at the end, like, we were super happy as a brand because we made this, like, editorial object that... Um, 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 premiered at the Tribeca Film Festival, right? Um, it's now available to watch on Peacock. It is there for 
for people to go and consume, to actively go see. And I think if you go see it, you're going to learn, you know, why, you know, why the fry was so interesting for us and how it kind of speaks to our values. So cool to, to see these pursuits that really delve into just the story, the history. I love that angle of the untold stories of um, certain overlooked objects or people. And I think the fact that you are a condiment company that is doing that is is pretty remarkable. Now I have to ask you, because you brought it up, what is your favorite sandwich? Oh man, my favorite sandwich. So people make fun of me for this, but it's a tuna melt. I It's like weird because it's like, dairy and fish and bread but it's warm um it has a bit of like umami in it because you're going to get some of the pickles in it it's savory there's some sweet from the mayonnaise i think it has all the sort of aspects and then some crunch because of that toast um, is it weird that it's 10 30 for me and now i'm craving a tuna melt <laughs> i don't think that's ever happened but, but you you're really onto something like these topics that get food lovers really excited and passionate and again sort of bring out this emotion that um that is just really unique to to a brand like yours so I want to talk a little bit about also a different approach that you're taking to your sustainability, your, your integrity report. And I think you're bringing so much of this emotion to that side of the conversation as well. So what does that look like for the brand, how you tell the story of what you're doing at a corporate level to support people and planet? Right. Um, so we, we felt like we had began to hit some of our stride with this editorial storytelling, journalism, you know, um, film, et cetera. And we had this sort of question. There's like a lot of really, really good integrity reports out there, right? And, you know, we were inspired by Patagonia and Oatly and Warby Parker. They all put out really best-in-class reports. And we sort of just asked ourselves is like, what would this look for Sir Kensington's to do this? What what would be different? You know, um, obviously telling the sort of like all the sorts of um, stories you need to tell in an integrity report, all the data you need to pull on your own business, et cetera. And what would that look like? And we kind of landed on like, we want it to be a mix of a property integrity report with the New Yorker. Like that was like the goal. Like, could we get good journalists to talk about this? Could we bring them into our business? So that was like the initial sort of like concept for it. Um, and how can people, so who 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 reads that? Who is that meant for uh, within the industry? Yeah, so this, you know, there's there's like a, um, the audience for an integrity report, they're, uh, they're industry people. So you need to provide that sort of, uh, detail and data and rigor and reporting around what you're doing as a business, um, your environmental footprint, um, all the details uh, that go into something like that. And because we're a B Corp, you know, this is table stakes for us, for example. Um, so there's like the industry level sort of stuff. So there's that as well. And I guess the sort of challenge that we had and the why, why I said like, what would this look like for it to you know, be a, the New Yorker meets an integrity report is because we're like, you know, what, what would it look like to try to bring in some of our own eaters and our own audience to maybe be intrigued in this? Um, and and that that's how we kind of landed on like this 
approach that mixed bits of journalism uh, with the sort of reporting structure. And that led us to work with TCO, the same team behind Sandwich Magazine. We identified four stories that we thought as a brand we could help fund and tell credibly and authentically. So whereas Sandwich could be, you know, if there's like this like spectrum of like heavy brand involvement to no brand involvement, Sandwich is like more like like on the no brand involvement, you know, like we don't need to be in the story, right? As we're just going to fund that sort of story. And on the integrity report, we wanted to be a little bit closer to um, some of our sustainability goals. Um, so, you know, even one of our impact partners who we think does incredible, incredible work uh, called Brownsville uh, Culinary Community Center, we're like, it would be great just to have a journalist talk about what they're doing and just to profile them. But obviously that's a bit closer to the brand because, we work with them in different capacities uh, as a partner. Uh, we have our own sort of recycling goals. And so um, um, we wanted to do sort of a story um, about the people behind recycling, who are doing the recycling. Um, and then maybe most importantly, you know, as a business that is looking to do good, but exists in a capitalist framework, right, that has shareholders as part of Unilever, but we also have plenty of stakeholders. Um, we wanted to talk about some of the tensions that are involved in that, right? Some of the trade-offs. And we brought in a writer who we thought could write really well around some of the contradictions of being a good business under capitalism. And just be really honest about it, around how we feel about it, how we navigate that. Let someone tell that story as sort of like an opener or opinion piece kind of deal. So cool. Um, I've yeah. read quite a few sustainability and integrity reports. And this approach is definitely something that stands out to me. On that last note of just the vulnerability piece, I think that that's really important right now for brands to be vulnerable and be very transparent about you know, all the great things that they're doing, which you are, as well as some of the struggles and challenges. And I think that goes a long way. And I also really appreciate that this approach certainly will, you know, resonate with industry and can kind of bridge that gap between the things that those in the CPG industry are asking for and want to know about your company, but then also what consumers are increasingly demanding from their brands. So I think it's very exciting and I'm eager to see where this report goes into the in the future yeah i mean and anybody can go get a hard copy if they just go to our website um and even on our homepage, there's a call to action in which you can get it delivered to your door uh free of charge um so it's out there for anyone to read or you can sign up sign up uh and for our email and get a pdf as well um so we're trying to make it as accessible as possible Awesome. I love that accessibility and transparency. So it seems you've done so many great things in your four years with the company. What's next? Like, I know you can't tell all your secrets, but maybe hint at a few of the things that you're working on that we can look forward to. Well, we don't feel like we're necessarily done with the three things we kind of talked about. And I think one of the benefits of investing in, like, let's say IP you know, intellectual property around a French fry movie or, you know, a um, um, uh, magazine is we're continuing to invest in those properties to get international distribution for the film, to get more people to see it. Um, 
um, you know, we, we, it's still part of our sort of PR engine. It's showing up on podcasts and discussions. It has a real sort of like long tail as a business. So part of what we're going to be doing is, you know, investing in those assets that we've already created because we think they have a very long life. Um, and, and then hopefully finding some other host foods to tell some really good stories about perhaps, you know, is, is one of my hopes and dreams and something I'll be pushing, so. Well, I can't wait to see the many stories that come out of the company. I will, for the rest of the day, be dreaming of French fries and sandwiches and will never look at your product in the same way, in the best possible way again. So thank you for sharing the vision with us, Zach, and any other parting words or things that you'd want to share with our listeners today before we say farewell. No, I mean, other than... You know, we would love to hear people's feedback. Watch the film. It's on Peacock. Uh, get a copy of the magazine. It's on our website. Um, let us know what you think and like what you'd want to see from us next. Um, our, our channels are open, so to speak. Um, and we would love to sort of hear what people are thinking. Well, you definitely will, I'm sure, be hearing from many of our listeners because you have such great content and we appreciate you sharing it with us today. Thank you so much, Zach. It's been a lot of fun chatting with you. It was my pleasure, Jessica. Thank you.